and hello, friends. Welcome into the Thursday Y'all Show, where we will be discussing all kinds of Southern goodness for the next few hours, and it's wonderful to have you back aboard as we've got three hours of Dixie conversation coming your way. I am the dude of Dixie, if you will. <laughs> John Rawl is my name. I guess you could also call me the mouth of the South. At least I'm trying to be. But you know what? I can't be the mouth of the South if you don't help me out. Help help a Southerner out here, y'all. And that is a way that, that, that I can make this show a lot better if you participate. We need y'all to help us up with y'all, okay? And the way you can do that is participate. Thank you. First of all, one way you can participate is by listening, so we have already checked that off. Thank you for that. But also here at the Y'all Show, we love participation. And so another way to participate is to drop us an email sometime. If you've got something you want to point out, we welcome that here. Mail, M-A-I-L at Y-A-L-L dot com, mail at y'all dot com. We also welcome in our texts that come in, and we sure appreciate those of you who are active with that route, one way to get us is on our 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week text line. Comes right into us here at the Y'all Show, 615-208-4184. 615-208-4184. Those are ways you can reach us here on the Y'all Show. Well, we've got a new World Series champion. We'll talk about that in just a second. And on today's show, you're going to actually hear from the MVP of the 2023 World Series, a Charlotte-born Baseball stud, now a two-time World Series MVP. So we'll have that coming up in our headlines across the Southeast today. We also have coming up, in addition to news stories, hey, <clears throat> i got to tell you this, okay? I get a little emotional. I get, I get a frog in my throat. When I, when I tell you that today on the show, you're going to learn all about the Booty Patrol. Oh, the Booty Patrol got busted in Florida. What the heck is the Booty Patrol? Well, I'll tell you that story. It's uh, something that you might not, you know, you know, you probably would expect out of the Sunshine State. They got some characters in the good old FLA. And we'll tell you about the Booty Patrol. Speaking of booty, Britney Spears in the news. <laughs> what a segue. Britney Spears is doing pretty darn well with her brand new book. I bet you it's going to be the top of the bestsellers list next week. It's going to she's going to be number 1 in the nonfiction category, I bet, and John Grisham is going to hang on and be number 1 in the fiction category with his new book The Exchange, which we heard all about on our Tuesday y'all show. So we got Louisiana and Mississippi going up against each other on the top of books all over the world. That's pretty good. That is pretty dang good. Of course, Brittany was educated at uh, Park Lane Academy in Macomb, Mississippi. So Mississippi stand up, doing quite well. Of course, John Grisham would point out, well, I, I got a lot of my raising in Arkansas. So, hey, we're just proud of all our Southerners, especially those of you who write books, because that takes a special skill set to be able to sit down and have the discipline to write a book. Now, the question is, do you really think Britney Spears sat down at a keyboard and, and typed out a, a book, okay? Do you do you really believe that? Do you really believe that John Grisham has sat down and typed every single word of the more than 40-something bestsellers he's had? I, I don't know. I do know I saw an interview one time with him, and he talked about how he loved to get up early 
and go out to his little writing area and start pecking away at a keyboard. And to his credit, this new book, The Exchange, is a, it's a sequel to The Firm. And he talked in the clip that we heard this week on Tuesday's Y'all Show. Go back and listen to it in podcast form if you get a chance. He talked about how he kind of wanted to write this sequel to The Exchange, or to The Firm, rather, but it just it just didn't come to him. And it took 30 years for it to finally come to him and, and get all the elements that he needed to, to crank out another book. So was that Mitch, the Mitch, uh, the Mitch series is, is the guy from the firm. Tom Cruise played that in the movie. So yeah, some book talk coming up in our headlines today. Also in our headlines across the Southeast today, in our first hour, we're going to tell you about some Elvis Presley and his granddaughter, Riley Keough news, because she had a big day in court on Wednesday. The granddaughter of Elvis, the daughter of Lisa Marie. We'll tell you about that news coming out of Tinseltown as part of our Nashville Music Line report. Also, we got some other news from Nashville, specifically to Music City, that we'll be sharing that news in a moment. Also, in this opening hour, we're going to have a quick report on politics. And there was a decision made by a non-Southerner on Capitol Hill on Wednesday that could have ripple effects, as Ken Buck, the longtime Colorado congressman, announced that he's not going to run for re-election. Now, he's a guy who voted to oust Kevin McCarthy. He is a big-time renegade, if you will, very much driven by the economics of serving in Congress. But also, he is against the blind... This this would kind of be what he would say. He's against the blind allegiance to Donald Trump. He's against what he, I guess he's trying to take the high road and saying he's against how Republicans keep going back to the election was stolen mantra, and that's not going to serve them well going forward, and he's had enough of it. So he's bowing out of Congress. We'll tell you more about that, and are there other Southerners who are likely to also hear the coming days and weeks to say, I've had enough. It's time for me to head on back to the ranch. That's part of a quick Southern political report that we'll be getting to. If you have thoughts on that, let us know here at the Y'all Show via text or via email. We'd love to get your feedback there. Also, on today's Y'all Show, in hour two, we're going to have our Festive South feature. We're going to tell you about some awesome festivals going on this weekend. If you don't have your weekend all planned out, we'll let Johnny Boy here Give you a good idea of where you might want to head. How about the Louisiana Swine Fest? Oh, that ought to be delicious, I guess. I guess they're going to have barbecue there, but they're going to be celebrating all things swine. Have a swine time in Cajun country this weekend. We'll tell you about that. In Arkansas, it's the Ozark Moonshine and Music Festival going down this weekend. I've got the details on that elsewhere. You've got a mushroom festival, a sundial festival, and something called a World Gig Festival. We'll tell you about all of that as part of our Festive South feature, all of these items being celebrated, among other fun things being celebrated, starting today through Sunday in various locations across the Southeast. We'll get your weekend all set with our Festive South feature and some really cool things going on this weekend. All that's coming up in hour number two. Hour number three today, get your helmet strapped on because that would be your football helmet because Kiefer Ingalls will be back in the house. The pigskin prognosticator will be joining me and we'll be walking through Alabama LSU. That's going down.
this weekend. There's some pretty good college football games. I would say much better this weekend than what we had last weekend. We'll be discussing all of that, some big games in the Big 12 that will be broken down by Kiefer. He does a fantastic job. You know, he does such a good job that it tempts me to not put out a, 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 put a call in to my bookie, although I don't have one, and wager a little, little a couple of pesos, okay? Because Kiefer sounds, at least he's convincing. He may be completely full of it, but he sure sounds convincing when he gets on here each Thursday and talks college football. We'll do all that with Kiefer in our our report with Kiefer in hour number three. So that's a puller, uh, a very good y'all show for this Thursday. We appreciate you being aboard. Speaking of sports, congratulations to the Texas Rangers. On Wednesday evening in Phoenix, they won their first World Series title with a 5 nil victory over the Arizona Diamondbacks in Game 5 of the World Series. And this franchise, which moved to DFW from Washington, D.C., they were originally the Washington Senators and moved to Dallas in the early 1970s. After all of these years, they have finally captured a World Series. And they've done that there in on the road. They could have come back and won it at Globe Life Field, perhaps, but they won in Game 5. Taking care of business, the Texas Rangers, your World Series champions. Now, they had won World Series, or rather AL pennants, and appeared in World Series back-to-back years, 2010 and 2011. But it was this year that they were able to really dominate in the postseason, and they did a great job in the ALCS advancing. And now they are, and they beat the Houston Astros, by the way, to get to the World Series, their nemesis in the Lone Star State. The Texas Rangers, your world champions of baseball. In hour number two today, we're going to hear from Corey Seager. He was named the World Series MVP, and this guy has had one heck of a career thus far. He's now a two-time World Series MVP as he won the MVP with the L.A. Dodgers a few years back, and that was in the 2020 series when, when he was the MVP for the Dodgers there. And now this Charlotte, North Carolina-born shortstop with another MVP in the World Series. We're going to hear from Seager just after he captured that when he sat down with the Fox Sports personalities and had a great conversation. We'll play that in hour number two. Speaking of Texas, not necessarily the Rangers, but a story today to tell you about where the mayor of Houston is going to be joining up with the mayors of Chicago, Denver, L.A. and New York, they're trying to meet with President Joe Biden about getting federal help to help manage the surge of migrants that these five mayors of these big cities are saying that they are arriving in their cities with little or no coordination, support, or resources from the Biden administration. And these five Democratic leaders, all of them Dems, they've sent a letter that they have sent to President Biden And they say, while they appreciate the administration's efforts thus far, they need a lot more help because they are having a big burden put upon their cities as migrants are sleeping in police stations. They're taking over, like in New York City, taking over a cruise ship terminal. That's had to be turning to a shelter in the Big Apple. And that's what you get when you got an open border. It's kind of, uh, you do this, you get this result. But Karen Bass, L.A. mayor, joining up with Eric Adams of New York City, Brandon Johnson of Chicago, and again, one of them is going to be Mayor Sylvester Turner 
of the city of Houston joining up on this uh, cry out to the mayor, to, to the president. I believe all of these mayors are also black. Is that true? Mayor of New York is a black man. Mayor of L.A. is a black woman. The mayor of Chicago is a black man. Sylvester Turner is a black man. And I guess the other question is who is the uh, the mayor of Denver is Mike Johnston. If he's a black man, then that's a perfect, uh, what do they call that, a royal flush in poker when you got five of the same. But uh, that's, that's kind of the way the big cities are um, these days with uh, definitely Democrat, the only city in the South that was a major city that had a Republican mayor was Jacksonville. Well, they recently ousted that mayor, and they're going to have a Democratic mayor in Jacksonville, Florida now. And so, yeah, it's uh, – now, Mike Johnson's a white guy. Okay, he's the 46th mayor of Denver, Colorado. So, yeah, okay, it's not completely all minority mayors there that are calling on Joe Biden, but just pointing that out um, here on the All Show, some news – where they're asking the government to help out. Can you help a city out, Mr. President? Because, you know, y'all didn't, you and your border czar, Kamala Harris, really haven't done the best job trying to keep people, millions of people, from crossing over illegally. So can you, can you help us out? That story we'll keep an eye on and see if there is any kind of response coming in from the Biden administration. Out of the state of Alabama, a Alabama Supreme Court decision on Wednesday, as they say, the Supreme Court of Alabama, that the state can execute an inmate with nitrogen gas, a method that has not been previously used to carry out death sentences. But in a 6-2 decision, the Alabama Supreme Court granted the state attorney general's request for an execution warrant for Kenneth Eugene Smith, and the order did not specify the execution method, but the Alabama Attorney General indicated in filings that it intends the state intends to use nitrogen to put Smith to death as the exact date of his supposed execution is going to be set later by the governor of Alabama, Kay Ivey. So this decision by the Alabama State Supreme Court moves the heart of Dixie closer to being the first state in the country to attempt an execution with nitrogen gas. Um... So here you go. Maybe that's a little bit better than using a noose or a firing squad. (laughs) Three states, Alabama, Oklahoma, and Mississippi, have authorized nitrogen hypoxia as an execution method, but no state has quite yet tried to use it. This man who looks like he might be the first to be a victim of nitrogen gas, this man Smith, one of two men convicted in the 1988 murder-for-hire slaying of Elizabeth Sinet and Colbert County, which is the Muscle Shoals area of Alabama. And now he may be having to pay the fiddler for that uh, conviction of murder, and he might be going to meet his maker with nitrogen, as nitrogen makes up 78% of the air inhaled by humans and is harmless when inhaled with oxygen. Did you know that? But um, in this proposed death sentence method, the inmate would be forced to breathe only nitrogen, which would deprive him of the oxygen needed to maintain bodily functions, and it causes them to die. So that's how you kill them. Just give them nitrogen. No oxygen. You suffocate them to death. You know, we've tried 
lethal injections before. Some of those don't turn out. The good old electric chair had its problems. Hmm, I don't know what to tell you. I know one way that would work. In the old days, there were some ways of not only killing, but uh, eliminating altogether. Well, I better not get into that. Y'all might take my uh, story and run with it, and and we're going to start having people missing. (laughs) I'll save that one for off the air, but it, it sure has worked. And we got some really bad people, uh, as Trump would say, some nasty people behind bars that probably don't deserve to be soaking up our oxygen because of the heinous crimes they've committed in the, uh, in the world that we live in. But Alabama, we will see if you are successful in your effort there as a state to put somebody to death with nitrogen. That's a look at some of our news headlines. We've got a lot more coming as we go forward on this Thursday, y'all show. Don't forget, I'm going to tell you about the booty patrol. The booty patrol in a little hot water. They might have to go to death row for what they got busted for in the Sunshine State here this week. We've got all that coming up when we come back on the y'all show. We've got some entertainment news to tell you. Elvis's granddaughter in the news. We'll tell you about Riley Keough. And before the hour is up, some political conversation here on the y'all show. on the y'all show and that song there hitting number one this week back in 1968 it would be elvis's last number one and a great one suspicious minds we're back talking about all things southern and we're going to talk a little entertainment news we're going to talk about the presley family in fact actually i'm going to talk about elvis's cousin coming up in the news headlines his cousin brandon is running for governor of mississippi and we'll tell you i think an hour or two i'll squeeze that in We'll tell you about the debate that was held in Jackson on Wednesday evening. And Brandon and the current governor, Tate Reeves, kind of got into it. And it's a pretty good little debate. And I'll share that with you. Some clips where they talked about Caledonia and California. What in the heck is that all about? Well, listen in 
and we'll tell you about EP's cuz running for governor on the Democratic side. I wonder what Elvis would be. If Elvis were here with us, would he be a staunch Republican or would he be a dim? Would he be a dimwit? D-E-M. Uh, just kidding. No, I guess he probably would be a Republican because remember he went to the White House with Richard Nixon and he was a conservative kind of guy. He really was. Now, he was a, a guy that was an artist by all means, but uh, deep down he was a good old Mississippi boy. So I'd have to think he would be maybe a Republican, maybe not quite as vocal about it as some, but uh, the king of rock and roll. On Wednesday, Elvis's granddaughter, Riley Kehoe, made news as a judge approved her and Priscilla Presley, her grandma's settlement, and that confirms that Priscilla is going to have to pay up, pay something along that is Riley Kehoe, Lisa Marie's eldest child that survived. She's got two young children, but Riley Kehoe is still with us. Her brother died, unfortunately, a few years ago. But now, a few months after Riley Kehoe and Priscilla Presley reached a settlement agreement over Lisa Marie Presley's estate, it's now been officially approved by a Los Angeles Superior Court judge. As the judge signed an agreement earlier this week confirming that the 78-year-old Priscilla, grandma, is going to receive a million-dollar lump sum payment funded by Lisa Marie's $25 million life insurance policy, and that Lisa Marie's, I'm sorry, and that I guess it would be Priscilla's son. You know, Priscilla had another child in addition to Lisa Marie, Navarone Garibaldi, and he would be the beneficiary of Lisa Marie's trust, and that Priscilla will be buried near her ex-husband Elvis at Graceland upon her death. So all that worked out. But someone reached out to my office, I believe on Wednesday, after seeing a photo of Riley Kehoe with a man. And I, I, don't, I didn't see the picture. But let me tell you, there's a good chance the person in the photo could have been Navarone Garibaldi, who would technically be Riley Kehoe's uncle. Or it could be, and I'm going to tell you another story about Riley Kehoe in a second, it could be another fella in her life. So I didn't see the picture. Maybe y'all saw it on the gossip headlines across uh, the spectrum, but the granddaughter and her grandma figuring things out as Riley, age 34, officially became the sole trustee of Priscilla, or of rather Lisa Marie's estate. And that means she is now going to take over Graceland. And it's a big, massive, not just property, but Graceland and Elvis Presley Enterprises is a major moneymaker. And so Priscilla is going to be paid $100,000 a year for her role as special advisor of the trust related to the shareholder interest in Elvis Presley Enterprises. And it's a non-fiduciary role. And so I, I don't think money is what this is really all about. I think it's just setting up the future. I, I think this is an amicable type thing that's being 
orchestrated. Now, the Presley family hasn't called me to confirm all this, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's got to be worked out. Unfortunately, we lost at age 54 Lisa Marie back uh, a year ago. I guess it would have been January, actually, when she died suddenly of a small bowel obstruction. And Priscilla, her mother, after the death, filed a petition contesting the authenticity and validity of a amendment that Lisa Marie had made that removed her mom and her former business manager as co-trustees and put things in the hands of Lisa Marie's children instead. And so Priscilla and her granddaughter Riley ultimately reached this settlement and now Riley in charge of the various trusts and of her 15-year-old half-sisters, Harper and Finley Lockwood. As their dad, Lisa Marie's ex-husband, Michael Lockwood, signed off on the arrangement on their behalf, since they're minors. But unfortunately, the Presley family in the news, in this case, for um, for a tough thing. I didn't realize this. Okay, maybe I'm about to tell you this story. Let me Let me move over to the other... Riley Kehoe news of the day. She's just had a second baby. Did y'all realize that? Or she's going to have a second baby with husband Ben Peterson. And that was the guy that maybe this person saw her walking into the court there in L.A. with earlier this week. As the granddaughter of Priscilla and Elvis, now expecting her second child with hubby Ben Peterson. And I don't have let's see here if we can get the expected due date for this okay it looks like she's already got one daughter right and i love this riley kehoe's daughter is named after elvis's hometown and her name is tupelo storm and storm comes from riley's late brother Benjamin Storm Kehoe, who died by suicide at 27 in the year 2020. So the forthcoming baby, I guess we don't know the gender nor the due date at this point, but I'd say probably in seven months you can expect this. Riley Kehoe, with Tupelo's birth a couple of years back now, she and her 31-year-old hubby Ben, Expecting baby number two. Did you know that Ben is from Australia? What's up, mate? An old Aussie comes to America and takes our royalty, takes our southern royalty with her connections to Tupelo and Memphis being the granddaughter of the king. But uh, yeah, to, to her credit, they got engaged way back in 2014 and got married in 2015. Riley Keough and Mr. Ben. Ben Peterson of Aussie, Aussie land. And now they are expecting a second child. So that's good news. After all the legal issues here, the last couple of days, the family maybe can all come together with a, uh, maybe another, another great child. And maybe they'll have a boy this time. And perhaps they could even name their kid with some kind of Elvis name. Elvis Peterson EP. (laughs) That'd be good. I could keep that same EP initials. If that, Good Lord is willing to give Riley that gift in a few months. Okay, Bailey Zimmerman news. He and the Jonas Brothers are collaborating, and they are putting out something called Strong Enough. 
and it debuts November 10th, just a few days for the singer that's got a bunch of good songs on the country music charts as he is getting ready to team up with the Jonas Brothers. They've been teasing it on their various social media platforms with red solo cup emojis and more. And so get ready for Nick, Kevin, Bailey, and Joe to all team up with Strong Enough. And there's going to be music videos and more for their collaboration. The Jonas Brothers in country music, I guess this would be a country song. It could be more of a pop song. I haven't heard it. It's not coming out for a few days, but Bailey Zimmerman kind of doing something a little bit unusual in the music world. We wish him well, of course. Bailey, I think, is from Illinois. He's not uh, He's not one of us originally, but he's got some good music out there, so we'll We'll be a little forgiving here on the Y'all Show with that. And that's a look at some of the entertainment news, the Nashville Music Line report for this Thursday of All Things Southern. When we come back, we're going to wrap this hour up with some political talk, some movements coming out of the state of Colorado as a longtime congressman is walking away and he's not walking away happy from Congress. We'll discuss that and anything else going on in the world of politics when the Y'all Show continues. I'm just an old jukebox junkie Spending my time, spending my money Feeding this habit with hardcore country I'm just an old jukebox junkie I can't stand it here Music stop, I keep dropping my quarters I play every song from A to Z I'm just an old jukebox junkie Some are dancing fools, some are hooked on booze Some get their fix on an old bar stool A handful of quarters is all I need It don't take much to satisfy me Oh, I'm just an old jukebox junkie Spending my time Spending my money beating this habit with hardcore country I'm just an old jukebox junkie I can't stand to hear music stop I keep dropping my quarters in the slot I play every song from A to Z I'm just an old jukebox junkie A good Tennessean right there, Ken Mellons I think most of his formative years were spent in the Donaldson and Hermitage area of Nashville, if memory serves me correct. And a fantastic song went to number seven back in 1994. A little jute box jockey. That'll get you moving. Want it? I lose control. I can't say no. I play them fast and I play them slow. I like the sound that a jukebox makes. It's an old habit that I I'm just an old jukebox junkie. Hey, let's go from talking about Ken Mellons to Ken Buck. Because Ken Buck in the news, the Colorado congressman, and I don't normally talk a lot about Colorado congressmen unless it's our Floridian turned Coloradan. Oh, yeah. The one and only Vapor. (laughs) You know, you know who I'm talking about. The lady that gets in the news as a Republican because she's 
historically been right alongside Marjorie Taylor Greene and also with, uh, well, Nancy Mace has been a congressman slash congresswoman that's got into the to the news there. But, uh, you know, now that she got busted trying to vape and cause a disturbance in a Colorado, what was a play that she was going into? Um, you know, we haven't heard a whole lot of this Colorado. Well, I mean, Ken Buck, we're hearing from him today, but it's been it's been a while since Lauren Boebert has kind of filled up the headlines. You know, there's a reason for that. There's been more important things going on, I guess, including trying to expel members of Congress. That happened on Wednesday. We'll tell you about that. George Santos. You know, George, there are some real characters in our halls of government right now. And there are some real questionable characters in our halls of government, specifically in Congress. And maybe now, looking back, it's a good thing that Mike Johnston was picked as House Speaker because I think he's solid. Other than having an LSU helmet prominently placed in his office that you have to go by and see when you're there in Congress. Um, Other than that, I have really good positive things to say about Mike Johnston. But these other congressmen, hmm, the Lauren Boberts, the M. TGs, the AOC, somebody was talking to me yesterday, and they were talking about it had nothing to do with politics, but they kept saying A-OK, A-OK. I said, did you say AOC? Uh, and they, they, they were a conservative, so they, they got a good laugh out of it. But some questionable people. Now, one guy making headlines today is Lauren Boebert's fellow Colorado member of Congress, and that's Ken Buck. Ken Buck was one of the eight that voted to oust Kevin McCarthy. Ken Buck kind of does things his own way. He bucks the system, if you will. The buck stops with Ken. Well, one of the reasons he's a little bit of an oddball, he's very, very fiscally conservative. He he won't vote for any. He's kind of like a Rand Paul of the Congress. Well, this guy announced his retirement Wednesday, and his justification for leaving Congress was primarily because his Republican Party, quote, continues to rely on this lie that the 2020 election was stolen. And he's decided to not seek re-election. And so that's big news. Also, a congressperson from Texas, Kay Granger, also announcing this week that she will also not run for re-election. So Granger, the longest-serving Republican congresswoman, leaving Congress after her term expires. And now Ken Buck of Colorado stepping aside. And this guy doesn't hold back. I remember during the whole House Speaker crisis going on, he was on a lot of news outlets talking. And he was talking Wednesday, Ken Buck, saying that he's been disappointed with the inability in Congress to deal with major issues and disappointed that the Republican Party continues to rely on that lie, he says, that the 2020 election was stolen, and rely on the January 6th narrative and political prisoners from January 6th and other things. If we're going to solve difficult problems, we've got to deal with some very unpleasant truth or lies and make sure that we project to the public what the truth is. That from Ken Buck of Colorado. Again, he was one of the Eight, I think, that voted to oust Kevin McCarthy. So he's not exactly beloved by all members of the Republican side of the aisle. 
a guy who was born in New York State and ended up settling in the state of Colorado. He's got a law degree from the University of Wyoming, and now he can maybe go practice law again. Although he's probably a little too old. He is, uh, what is he, 64 right now. Had to do the math. Ken Buck, again with Congressman Granger of Texas, those two announcing they have had enough and they're going to retire. Now, there is a congressman from the state of New York that people in Congress are trying to retire for him, you know, trying to push him out. George Santos, he had a vote for against, against him on Wednesday in the U.S. House. It was a vote to expel the New York State congressman and a Republican-led resolution. This was put forward. The Democrats already tried to kick him out, and that didn't happen. And now, Wednesday, the New York congressional Republicans teamed up to kind of kick him out because he's a bad look for them. He's got charges and investigations going on, and this resolution to kick him out of Congress failed Wednesday night. And a little surprising that it wasn't really that close. The final vote, you have you have to have, I think, a two-thirds majority vote to oust a member of Congress. So... Knowing that, I guess, let me pull up my calculator for a second. If there's roughly 430 people there at present, 430 members, to get two-thirds, you got to get about 284 votes in favor of. And so in order to get that many, you, you need a lot of support. And guess what? Santos only had 179 nearly 100 votes short of the threshold needed to kick him out of office. 19 members actually just voted present. This is a sticky subject. Republicans need all the votes they can possibly get. The Democrats, some of them voted to keep Santos in office because they love the look of the turmoil that Santos brings. He's a lame duck, perhaps, that that district in New York that he's from is easily going to flip back to a Democrat because of the shame that Santos has brought forward because of the lies and complete uh, fraud that he evidently is. But the Republicans trying to do good and kick him out, at least a large number of them, they failed. Santos is now defending himself on the House floor, saying his colleagues were prioritizing petty politics. The dapper George Santos back in the news, but he survived, at least for now, the effort to, uh, instead of hang Mike Pence, hang George Santos. That's a look at some of the, should, should he keep serving? Do you think he should still be in there? You know, don't all politicians lie? Do, do you feel sorry for George Santos just, just a wee bit? <laughs> Thank God we don't have any, well, we do. We got, we got some questionable people from the South serving in the halls of government. More of the Y'all Show coming right up, so hang on.
my, my, my. Welcome back. It's our middle hour of this Thursday, November 2nd edition of Y'all Talk with an Accent on the South. John Rawl. I think I got a pretty decent Southern accent. Thank you so much for being a part of our Thursday edition. We're having a good time bringing you all the news, all the gossip. We've got travel to talk about here in this middle hour. We've got our Festive South feature. We'll tell you about some great festivals going on across the Southeast. A celebration of sundials and a celebration of world gigs. What the heck are we talking about? I'll explain as we have our Festive South feature in the next segment. And before the hour is up, we've got to look at what's on y'all.com right now. All that ahead in our second hour of today's Y'all Show. In our final hour, I want to remind you that Kiefer Ingalls is going to lace up his uh, shoulder pads. I guess they got laces on shoulder pads, you know. I haven't really thought about it. But he's going to definitely buckle his chin strap. He's coming in to talk about college football. Got a busy weekend, the first weekend in November of college football as that particular sport winding down. And we'll have that preview of the big games across college football with Kiefer Ingles in our final hour. We've got other sports news to pass along today in our headlines, and we'll get to that in a second. You're going to hear from the World Series MVP in just a moment. And he's got a connection to Dixie. All that is ahead. If you want to be involved with y'all, we've got our 24-hour-a-day text line available. You can text us here, 615-208-4184. You can email us, mail at y'all.com. Great, easy ways for you to connect. We also are available in podcast form. You can, If you miss any portion of this show, you can always go back and listen to us at y'all.com. We also are available at Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts. We're on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app, and we are available at uh, Spotify. All of those options, you just simply search for The Y'all Show or type in my name, John Rawl, and you will be good to go to listen to The Y'all Show no matter what time of day, no matter where the location is. We're kind of keeping it easy for you to be Southern and proud of it. And we thank you so much for being here on the Y'all Show. And, and again, I, I stress, we would love to hear from you. So please, don't be bashful. we got a lot of listeners, but we want to get your feedback as well. Make you part of the, you know, this is Y'all's show. So where are y'all at? What y'all doing? What are you thinking about? What, what's your opinion? We want to know. Let's dive into the headlines for this hour of the Y'all Show. First off, I'm going to tell you about the World Series champion. I do want to point out that we did lose basketball coaching legend Bobby Knight as he died on Wednesday. Bobby Knight, a longtime coach at Army, Indiana, and Texas Tech. He kind of came out of nowhere to coach the Red Raiders in Lubbock those roughly five years or so. And and I thought he did a good job there. Of course, he most known for his incredible coaching at Indiana and his IU team of the mid-1970s the last college basketball team to go throughout the entire season and never lose a game. And then he ended up getting fired in Bloomington because he was a little rough on the players. And so he kind of went away for a while before Texas Tech gave him an opportunity to come back and try to salvage that program, and he did a good job. Then Chris Beard comes in and leads the Red Raiders to a national championship appearance, a game that I really thought they probably should have won against, I guess it was against Virginia a few years back. And now Beard is the head coach at the University of Mississippi. 
But Bobby Knight, we remember him, a guy who played collegiately, I think, for Ohio State, and then he would go on as a young coach to coach the West Point Black Knights. The United States Military Academy was where he got his coaching career going, and he had a player there for the Black Knights named Mike Krzyzewski. Yeah, the guy that would go on to be Duke's head coach for forever, Coach K, a Bobby Knight disciple. But if you aren't familiar with Bobby Knight from his coaching prowess, maybe you saw him campaigning for Donald Trump as he and the president, who was just a candidate back in 2016, were buddy-buddy. And Knight would appear at a lot of Trump rallies, especially around Indiana. And he was an advocate. uh, You know what? I think, now that I think about it, I believe it was Bobby Knight that may have convinced Trump to run for office. I'm sure Trump's talking about that here today on his Truth Social, but Trump would always, in his in his speeches when Bobby Knight would be there, would talk about how Knight would maybe pry him and, and try to get him to run for office. And you know what? Trump followed his uh, advice. He followed the coach's directive and ran for office in 2016, and I guess it worked out. Bobby Knight passing away at age 83. Now, some other sports news to start our headlines of the day. Congratulations to the Texas Rangers as they won their first World Series title in franchise history with a 5-0 blanking of the Arizona Diamondbacks in Wednesday night's Game 5 of the World Series. The Rangers, now this Texas Ranger team with that first title. The Rangers set up shop in DFW after starting out for a decade in Washington as a sort of a revival team for baseball after the original Washington Senators left D.C. to go to Minneapolis and become the Twins. So there was a another expansion team that started up the new Washington Senators, and they couldn't make it either. And so ultimately they left and, and became the Texas Rangers starting in 1972. And the Rangers, who got two appearances in the World Series after they captured the American League in 2010 and 2011, they lost both of those times with Washington as their skipper, this time with a guy that used to be the Pittsburgh Pirates man in the 1990s, Bruce Bruce Bochy. What a great job he's done there in the Metroplex with this great victory for the Texas Rangers. Bruce Bochy, by the way, grew up kind of as an Army brat. His dad was an NCO in the Army, and he spent time growing up in Not only Panama, but he grew up partially in South Carolina and Virginia. The family ultimately settled in Melbourne, Florida. So kudos to Bochy. Bochy, what is his age? He's 68 years young, born in 1955. I knew he'd been around a a good while. And, And I'm wrong on that. He wasn't with the Pirates. He was with the Padres, okay? Oops. I knew he was a a 1990s skipper. But, yes, uh, Jim... Was it Jim Leland, I think, is who I'm trying to come up with that was the pirate skipper back when Bonds was playing for him and stuff? Yeah, I'm not going to win the award for the greatest baseball knowledge, but I'm not that far off. Yes, uh, manager not only for the Padres, but would go on to be the Giants manager. And he has now won the World Series as a manager four times. I mean, what a great job coaching Bruce Bochy, the Army brat. He won the World Series in 2010 when he was with the Giants. Then he won it also in 2012, won it in 2014. I didn't realize the Giants had won three times during his tenure as manager. And then he stepped away from 
from being a manager for a few years and came back just this year to lead the Rangers. And guess what? In his first year of being the DFW's baseball guy, leads Texas to a World Series title, is fourth as coach. And, you know, the Rangers probably couldn't have got there with players like Corey Seager, a part of the lineup. And what a great shortstop he has been for the Texas Rangers. Now, his name familiar to some of you because he was a four-time All-Star that ended up being a World Series champ with the L.A. Dodgers back in 2020. And during that 2020 World Series, he was named the MVP. Well, guess what? The Charlotte, North Carolina native named MVP again with his impressive World Series performance. And Corey Seager is one of baseball's brightest young stars and with two World Series MVPs for two different teams. I mean, that's pretty dang impressive for the 29-year-old infielder. After the World Series was captured by the Texas Rangers on Wednesday evening, yeah. I mean, it's look, I'm surprised this one was kind of wrapped up in only five games. You would have thought the Snakes, especially with three games set for their ballpark there in Phoenix, would have come out of there a little bit stronger and at least made this series go back to the Metroplex and let the Rangers win at home. You, you would have thought this. This series kind of reminded me a lot of the Braves-Astros series from two years ago where the Braves, I believe it was game five that they won against the Strohs and closed that thing out in Houston. A lot more fun to win a World Series at your own ballpark, but that uh, that that wasn't meant to be this year. And you know what? I'm sure the Rangers don't have any problem winning this thing on the road as opposed to winning it back in Dallas because it was a victory. And they get to pour the champagne no matter where the location. And Corey Seager at 29 years old, now with two back-to-back World Series titles. I mean, I'm sorry, not back-to-back, but he's won two in his very short career. And, wow, what a great job he did on this uh, series. And he has uh, made quite a a future. I mean, he's got a brand now that's going to be something going forward that he will be able to enjoy forever that he's been part of two different ball clubs, two rising programs. Although the Dodgers this year made the postseason, I guess they won the division they play in against the Snakes, but – they fell apart. I think they got swept by Arizona in the postseason. And because of that, the Dodgers, just like the Braves in the in the NL, had a very early winter. They got to start on winter and Christmas shopping, okay? Trying to put it nicely here. They, uh, they choked. That's another way of saying it. Let's go to the postgame scene in Phoenix where Corey Seager, the World Series MVP, spoke to all the guys that are part of Major League Baseball's coverage, people like A-Rod, and you also have, what's his name? Um, uh, he's the <laughs> he's teamed up with Greg Olson on NFL games. Anyway, enjoy this. Corey Seager, he's really the star. He That's all that matters here in this post-game clip just after the Texas Rangers captured their first World Series title. Let you start with our, our man here, Al. Mr. Cookie Monster, i got to ask you the first question. <laughs> We've been having a lot of fun watching you all month, i got to tell you. 
Corey, I know how resilient this team is, and I know why you came here, and obviously you came here for this reason today. At what point this year did you feel like this team had what it took to end this championship streak right here? Um, you know, it all starts in the spring. You know, Boach gave a message, and he expected to win. You know, he came here to win. We came here to win. So everybody had the right mindset. Um, that's where it all starts every year. So credit to this group on going out and performing and battling all year. And, I mean, this is what you play for, right? So really special moment. Cody, I, I, I got to tell you, man, I mean, you performing has been unbelievable. I know the level type of thing. But let me ask you, when you first came to the Rangers, with the experience that you lived through the Dodgers, it was any moment where you sit down with the front office to figure things out and bring players to get this thing stronger so you guys can be living this moment right now? You know, I didn't have to. They pretty much laid that out for me in my meeting. You know, they, they didn't shy away from anything. They knew where they were. They knew where they wanted to get, and they knew how they wanted to get there. And it was a lot of trust, you know, trust for me to trust in them and a lot of for them to trust in me. You know, it was just... What a moment. I, uh, just, you're lost for words, you know, but this is, this is what they, they saw, and this is what I saw, and it, it's just amazing that it worked out. I tell you what, man, the fourth ever to win two of these bad boys <laughs> right here, the second position player, now I don't have to listen to Reggie brag about being the only one. <laughs> so congrats, congrats on that. Thank you. Just tell me, what, what does it feel like, man? I mean, you go through a 162-game schedule. You guys didn't have, you know, last year wasn't so great. You know, you continue to improve. You continue to get better. Now, finally you get a chance to celebrate with your teammates? You know, it's a lot of satisfaction, you know, just putting in the work, putting the hours, you know, having the focus to show up every day and compete and play. You know, that's a hard thing to do, like you guys know, to show up every day and compete. So I'm just so proud of this group and their ability to be able to do that. All right, Corey Seager, the Queen City's own shortstop for the Texas Rangers after his team picked up the World Series title Wednesday in Phoenix and he now is the second Major League Baseball player in history to win a World Series MVP playing for two different teams. Pretty impressive. And he's done it in twenty in four years. And a great job by Mr. Seeger and all the folks there in Texas that pulled out a title. By the way, Kevin Burkhart was the name I was slipping on. <laughs> that is part of Fox Sports' coverage. And in that clip, you might have heard Burkhart joined by A-Rod, Alex Rodriguez, as well as Derek Jeter and Big Poppy there, part of that crew for baseball. And now baseball goes into hibernation for several months. And then, you know, lo and behold, it'll be February, and pitchers will be reporting, and that new season of baseball will be right around the corner. 2024 baseball. And and you just heard Seager talk about when asked what was it that made this team Special, what made it, when was it that he realized this could be a World Series contending franchise? And Seager said it was in the spring. It was definitely in the spring. So good luck to the Rangers and great job by all the teams, including the Arizona Diamondbacks, for getting to where they have in Major League Baseball. And that uh, that's a bow that wraps up baseball for 2023. Sadly, they, they don't have a, a competitive sort of minor league Baseball that's not the minor leagues that goes on during the uh, dead of winter. Not that I'm aware of. Kind of like what we've got now with the XFL and the USFL. They're merging, by the way. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of diehard baseball fans out there. And you're just going to have to uh, survive over these next few months. Picking up other headlines across the southeast today. 
want to let you know that there is a Mississippi big election coming up here in a few days as voters are going to the polls to pick a new governor and other key positions across the state of Mississippi. And it's been quite a little contest thus far in the state of Mississippi for governor as Tate Reeves is seeking his second term in office. He's a Republican, and he follows Phil Bryant, who was a two-term Republican governor. And Phil Bryant was a lieutenant governor under Haley Barber. And Haley Barber, starting in roughly 2000, maybe 2004, maybe 2005, it might have been 05, when Haley Barber was first elected governor of the state of Mississippi. And he was a two-term Republican governor of the Magnolia State. So Republicans have had a very, very firm grip on the chief executive spot of the Magnolia State for nearly 20 years, or right at 20 years. Ronnie Musgrove would have been your last Democrat that had a position there in the state of Mississippi as governor, that is. And he was a one-term governor back in roughly 98 to 2002 or 99 to 2003, something, something along those lines. Well, it has uh, not been easy for Tate Reeves in this election now. A lot of, lot of momentum for the Democrat challenger in Mississippi this year for governor. As Brandon Presley, the cousin of Elvis Presley, he is a, a Monroe County native. He's from Nettleton, Mississippi, which is right beside Tupelo, by the way. I think it's maybe 10 miles from Elvis's Tupelo. And Brandon has been using that Presley name for a long time. He, he's not... Shy to tell you that he's Elvis's cousin. I don't think it's first cousin. It's somewhere way on down the line, I think. But good enough, good enough to give him the nomination. A a uh, roughly sixty year old white guy from North Mississippi is the Democratic nominee, and I won't even consider him to be the world's most liberal person. I, I really don't think he is that liberal deep down. But boy, it looks like he's being funded by the most liberal of liberal organizations, and that was brought out during the only debate that these guys had, and they had this Wednesday in Jackson, Mississippi, and WAPT, the television station in Jackson, Mississippi, ended up hosting this Republican versus Democrat debate on their airwaves. And you know what? It made for some good TV. If you had a chance to tune in in Jackson or across Mississippi and see this gubernatorial debate on Wednesday because, like I said, this was a one-shot type deal that Mississippians got a chance to hear Tate Reeves, who has been under a little bit of scrutiny for mostly the debacle that has been going on with the welfare scandal. And so that is an issue that many Mississippians may consider when going to the polls Tuesday. That is election day for governor and other key offices in Mississippi Tuesday. Now, Tuesday is also a day that Kentucky goes to vote for their next governor as Andy Bashir and Daniel Cameron are up against each other in the bluegrass. And most pundits would probably lean toward a Bashir re-election, frankly. But Cameron giving him a chance. Cameron, the current Kentucky Attorney General. Then in Virginia, it's the only southern state where there is an election coming up next week, of which it is of some importance. In Virginia, the governor is not up for election, but the the delegates and the other body of government in Virginia will be decided. And it's a close race going on in Richmond right now. But let's go back to Jackson, Mississippi, where Wednesday they had the lone gubernatorial debate. 
And it got a little contentious and, frankly, a little funny, in my opinion, when Tate Reeves and Brandon Presley went up against each other. Let's go in and hear a little bit of this, courtesy of WAPT-TV and their YouTube channel, 16 WAPT News Jackson, in the great state of Mississippi. Ooh, politics. It's uh, it's heating up, y'all. Because our next question is to you, Governor, and that ad that uh, attacks your potential involvement in the TANF scandal says, in part, under Governor Reeves, millions of dollars were steered from education and jobs to help your friends, personal trainer, and it also points to the firing of the TANF investigator. Now, how do you respond to those claims? You have a minute. Well, just as I said earlier, you would have to believe in time travel to believe that I was involved in the TANF scandal. The fact of the matter is, it all happened before I was governor, between 2015 in 2019. Brandon Presley knows that. But just like he'll lie about my family, he'll lie about me, he'll lie about everything he believes or doesn't believe because he doesn't have any core beliefs. That's the reason that 80% of his money came from California and New York and Washington, D.C. Why on earth would someone in California and New York want to give him $10 million to run for governor of Mississippi? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And the reason is because he'll say anything to anybody. He'll say anything to anybody. When he's in the room in California, he's telling them one thing. And when he's in the room in Mississippi, he's telling the voters something completely different. Mississippi doesn't need a governor like that. All right, Commissioner, your Thank response. you for letting me respond to that. First and foremost, he wants to talk about time travel. You don't have to travel too far back, Tate. You fired the independent investigator in this case. When he got a little too close to your buddies, a little too close to your campaign contributors, a little too close to those who uh, finance your way of life, and guess what? Then you fired him. Then you fired him. Look at me. I'm talking. I'm telling you. You fired him. Thank you. You fired him when he got a little too close to your buddies, when he got a little too close to those people in your inner circle. You fired him. So that puts you at the center of... person who wrote you a big campaign check, right? Look, I'm talking... Did he write you a big campaign check? Did he write you a big campaign check? Did you fire him? Did you fire him? I'm not finished. And he wants to talk about California and New York. Let me tell you this, Governor. How about you talk about Caledonia and New Hebron? You're obsessed with California and New York. I hadn't been to California. I don't even know what you're talking about. But the truth is, you are a bought and paid for politician, and you know it, and the people of Mississippi know it, and they know good and well that you've had the guts and the backbone to do nothing to clean up corruption in Mississippi because you've been the chief cheerleader with pom-poms in your hand for corruption. 30 seconds. Can I say something about Caledonia? Have you been there? Yes. I went to breakfast in Caledonia Good. last Monday morning. Good. And I'm going to tell you something, Brandon. You're going to get more votes in California than you get in Caledonia. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> the Mississippi gubernatorial debate held Wednesday in Jackson, Mississippi. Wow. Uh, you're going to get more votes in California than you're going to get in Caledonia. Caledonia in Lowndes County, just outside of Columbus, home of the Caledonia Confederates. Yes, sir. I think they did change their name in the last year or two after George Floyd made everybody uh, uh, knee-jerk, you know. But uh, still a Confederate town to me. But, wow, what a great little clip there from the Mississippi gubernatorial debate. We got more headlines we'll get to in our final hour of the Y'all Show, but we got to take a break. we got to tell you about some awesome festivals that are going down this weekend. I don't know if it's going down in Caledonia, Mississippi or not. But you know what? There's something fun going on in the Magnolia State besides this big governor's race on Tuesday. 
We'll have all the great festivals of the South lined up for you when the Y'all Show returns. wide world of sports is that we're back here on y'all and yeah that's a little bit of an unusual southern accent wouldn't you agree that's a a little tune called stefan and it is a slovak folk song welcome back it is the y'all show where we discuss everything going on across the southeast in this segment it is our festive south feature we tell you about some festivals and more in dixie set up for this weekend and Hey, you can get your Slovak on at the annual Slovak Festival, and that goes down in St. Louis at the St. Lucas Evangelical Lutheran Church, and that happens Saturday. Little Stefan, I bet, would be played there at the annual Slovak Festival. Sounds good, eh? You know any Slovaks in your life? Of course. Slovak would be the culture of the Czech Republic, of which, remember, we've got a a former president that's got a couple of kids who are of Slovak heritage. That would be the Trump family, with uh, Ivanka being a Czech native. And then, of course, I'm sorry, Ivanka is the daughter. Uh, Ivania, Ilania, whatever her name is, the late... Did you know she's buried on Trump's golf course in New Jersey? Did y'all know that? She's buried, I think, between holes two and three right at the tee box. When you go tee off at Bedminster, you got to look at her gravesite, which I assume is also where the president is going to be buried one day next to his ex-wife. That makes for a nice eternal rest. Continuing on with our festivals across the southeast today, in Barnwell, South Carolina this weekend, an unusual festival of sorts, there, in the home of the War Horses, it is the Sundial Festival. And that goes down at the Circle Theater, the Sundial Festival in Barnwell, South Carolina, the hometown of a, a former governor. He's buried there in Barnwell, his hometown. That would be Johnson Haygood, the great Confederate general. And Barnwell is home this weekend, not of uh, General Haygood, but of the Sundial Festival. This weekend in Arlington, not only will they be celebrating a brand new World Series there in Arlington, but it's also the Texas Taco Festival. And that goes down starting on uh, November 4th is uh, Saturday. And this is actually a festival that lasts nearly two weeks as part of Texas Live. It's Arlington's Texas Taco Festival. 
Nothing is better than a taco after you've won a World Series, and that's exactly what Arlington's Texas Rangers just pulled off Wednesday out in Arizona. This weekend in Charles City, Virginia, at Berkeley Plantation, it is the Virginia Thanksgiving Festival going down Sunday. Yes, Thanksgiving is exactly three weeks from today, and you can get your gobbledygook going on a little early, if you'd like, in Charles City with the Virginia Thanksgiving Festival, and that, again, takes place Sunday at Berkeley Plantation. Uh-oh, I just said the word plantation. This weekend in Basel, Louisiana, it's the Louisiana Swine Festival. Basel, a town in both Acadia and Evangeline parishes, population just over 1,200 in the latest census. So there will be lots of barbecue, lots of other things, swine. It'll be a swine fine time in Basel, Louisiana. This is in Cajun country, by the way, South Louisiana, not all that far from... hmm, I guess it would be northeast of Lafayette would be where you'd find Basel, Louisiana. The Swine Festival, y'all. And it takes place this weekend, Friday through Sunday. This weekend in Blackshear, Georgia. That would be southeast Georgia, down around Waycross, the hometown. Actually, I think Blackshear is the hometown of Burt Reynolds. If it's not Blackshear, it's Waycross. He might have lived in both. Regardless, Burt won't be there, but they'll be celebrating pecans in Blackshear, Georgia, at Blackshear City Recreation, and that takes place all day Saturday, the Pecan Festival of Georgia in Blackshear, Georgia. Yummy. I wonder if there's a good time of year to to harvest pecans. You know, I never thought about it. I just like to eat them. I'm not not a harvester. I'm a uh, connoisseur, aren't you, of pecans, or should I say pecans, because guess what? Not all that far From Georgia is Alabama, and in Mobile this weekend, it is the Alabama Pecan Festival. Yes, pecans being celebrated in the home of Mardi Gras this weekend. And this is a Friday through Sunday event in Mobile, the Alabama Pecan Festival. This weekend in the state of Maryland, it is the Southern Maryland Bluegrass 2023 at the Calvert Elks Lodge on Dares Beach Road in Prince Frederick, Maryland. The Southern Maryland, yeehaw, Southern Maryland. Southern Maryland bluegrass. On this very weekend, you can go get your bluegrass on over on the southern side of Maryland in Prince Frederick, of which they make a big distinction that they are a million miles apart from that part of Maryland to Washington and Baltimore. This is a good old southern area you know so southern they call it southern maryland this weekend in the state of oklahoma in stillwater a home of oklahoma state university i guess the cowboys have the weekend off in stillwater in stillwater it's the stillwater fall festival arts crafts and gift show at the Payne county expo center in stillwater and this is roughly all day saturday you can enjoy this good time in the home of pistol pete the Stillwater Fall Festival Arts, Crafts, and Gift Show. In Millington, Tennessee, that would be just to the north of Memphis, right in Shelby County at the Mirman Shelby Forest State Park this weekend. It is the 2023 Memphis Mushroom Festival. Yeah. And that starts today and it goes through Monday. So no matter where you are in the south, you got plenty of time to get to Millington and enjoy there at this state park, the 2023 Memphis Mushroom Festival. I hope they're all legal. 
I hope these are legal mushrooms and not uh, the kind that will get you in trouble or will put a hurting on you. This weekend in Charleston, West Virginia, the state capital of the Mountain State, it is the Egyptian Coptic Festival, and that takes place Saturday at the St. Mary and Archangel Gabriel Coptic Orthodox Church of West Virginia, located on Beauregard Street in Charleston, West Virginia. Now, if you're not familiar with the word Coptic, Coptic, they're a Christian ethno-religious group indigenous to North Africa who have primarily inhabited the area of modern Egypt and Sudan since antiquity. Most ethnic Copts are Coptic Oriental Orthodox Christians, the largest Christian denomination in Egypt and in the Middle East, as well as in Sudan and Libya. And this weekend in the state capital of West Virginia, this great heritage will be celebrated as part of the Egyptian Coptic Festival, again taking place at St. Mary and Archangel Gabriel Coptic Orthodox Church of West Virginia, the Egyptian Coptic Festival. I had a long discussion not long ago with a gentleman who was from Egypt and was a very, very knowledgeable and very, very passionate Christian. And he told me a little bit of the story behind Christianity in Egypt. You know, it's not something you know much about. And, of course, Christians have a presence throughout the Middle East. And in a time of war, of which we're having now between Israel and Hamas, you know, think about the groups that are out there kind of in between, the Christians and the other folks that are Muslim and or Jewish that are peaceful, that they're not wanting war, they're not wanting bloodshed, they're just wanting to live out their lives in this very tumultuous part of our earth. We wish everybody the best there, but... This weekend in Charleston, it's all about Coptic, as the Coptic Festival goes down there. Ocean Springs, Mississippi. This weekend, it is the Peter Anderson Arts and Crafts Festival in downtown Ocean Springs. It's the 45th annual Peter Anderson Arts and Crafts Festival that Ocean Springs, which is, I would say, the art capital of the state of Mississippi. And this festival this weekend is both Saturday and Sunday, presented by Blue Moon This is an annual festival that celebrates the arts in honor of local master potter Peter Anderson. There will be over 400 booths lining the streets of Ocean Springs, just across the bridge from Biloxi. And artists will offer unique pieces from across the country and beyond. Oil paintings, pottery, handmade jewelry, toys, metalwork. You could come spend the weekend perusing the artisanal offerings with live entertainment offered as well. And you'll be able to do it under the 300-year-old live oak trees of Ocean Springs, Mississippi, a great little town on the Mississippi Gulf Coast that's got restaurants and galleries and boutiques and more. And this weekend, it's the 45th annual Peter Anderson Arts and Crafts Festival taking place there in Jackson County, Mississippi. Elsewhere across the southeast, in terms of great events and festivals going on this weekend, You might want to head over to Newport, Kentucky. It is the Queen City Blues Fest. And Newport is at the confluence of the Ohio and Licking Rivers in Campbell County, Kentucky is where you'll find this. The Queen City Blues Fest in Newport. And this is going down on Saturday from 6 until 10 in Newport, Kentucky at the Southgate House Revival. It's where you'll be able to find this. This weekend in the Ozarks of Arkansas. It's the 2023 Ozark Moonshine and Music Festival, and that's in Fairfield Bay, Arkansas. Friday and Saturday is where 
This is uh, the dates of this Ozark Moonshine and Music Festival. Oh, yeah. I hope everybody can go there and not get arrested. How about what's going on in Wilson, North Carolina this weekend in eastern North Carolina? It's the North Carolina World Gig Festival. And this is both Saturday and Sunday in Wilson, which is where BB&T actually got its start, I think, in Wilson, North Carolina. And you're asking me, what the heck is a World Gig? Well, that's a toy that spins around, for example, a top or a a pinwheel. You might have had a World Gig growing up, but a World Gig Festival is taking place this weekend in Wilson, North Carolina. I hope it doesn't spin out of control. <laughs> That's funny. Come on, admit it. And lastly, as far as our great festivals across the southeast this weekend, a one of our great southern towns, Apalachicola, Florida. This weekend, it is the Florida Seafood Festival in this great Gulf Coast town on the Florida Panhandle. Now, Apalachicola is about, uh, I mean, the reason it is the home of the oyster and, and, and the great seafood that they got that they'll be celebrating as part of the Florida Seafood Festival, it's because that this part of the Apalachicola Bay has 30 miles of shallow oyster availability. It's a paradise for oyster harving in the Florida panhandle. And this section of Florida produces about 90% of Florida's oysters and some say the best oysters come from Big Bayou, which is a very pristine area on the saltier western portion of the Apalachicola Bay near St. Vincent Island. And yes, I've been to Apalachicola. And by the way, Apalachicola, the last place in America where, by law, wild oysters are still harvested by tongs from small boats. Did not know that. And this festival taking place on Bay Avenue this weekend, Friday and Saturday. The Florida Seafood Festival in Apalachicola, which is truly where time changes. That's where Eastern and Central time are divided right there on the Gulf Coast of Florida in this historic town where air conditioning was created, FYI. Dr. Gorey had a hand in that. And this weekend, you can have a hand in eating a lot of seafood at the Florida Seafood Festival, Apalachicola, USA. That's a look at a great lineup of festivals across the southeast this weekend. Get your car fueled up, your big truck fueled up or charged up, and head off to some great events across Dixie this weekend. We're going to wrap up this y'all show right after this timeout, and we're going to tell you what's at the website all about the south right now, y'all.com, to close out Hour 2.
You know, I don't think that's probably a good thing to call somebody, especially if you're trying to woo them. Hey, funny face. They might take that the wrong way. That's Donna Fargo and a big song for her. And you know what? You can go to y'all.com, the South's homepage, and our buddy Niles Reddick has penned a great feature on Donna Fargo. It's titled Donna Fargo, Still the Happiest Girl in the Whole USA. And that, of course, another one of her great songs. And you can check that article out, plus some other awesome things like the best fishing destinations in the South. That's up at y'all.com. An article about how to fight depression naturally has been posted. It's the website all about the South, and it powers this, the Y'all Show. Check it out, Y-A-L-L.com, y'all.com. Hour three is just ahead. We're going to talk college football with Kiefer Ingles. So get ready for some great college football talk and fight songs, too. These are the The final hour of y'all has arrived. We got college football to talk about. Kiefer Ingles in with us for this final hour. I'm John Rawl, and we are glad that you, or should I say y'all, have joined us here on y'all.com and the y'all show broadcasting on awesome radio stations, as well as in podcast form. We're on Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app. Apple Podcast, Apple iTunes, and at y'all.com. So we got some news items to cover before we switch over to Gridiron Talk with the pigskin prognosticator himself, Mr. Ingles. Going to tell you about the Booty Patrol. Have you, ever hey been, have you ever been stopped by the Booty Patrol? You know, every now and then when I go out in the gym and they, I'm in my little gym fit, they come out and stop me. I can't imagine that, that sight. You and a... a <laughs> hey, you, neither can anybody else. I hadn't, I hadn't ran since eighth grade, buddy. Well, I've even done that. We'll talk about the Booty Patrol. This is a serious story that we'll get to. Plus, speaking of booty, Britney Spears. What a segue. Britney Spears making some headlines, and she's making some change, Kiefer. Making some change, huh? I mean, she probably always has made change, but she's making some change in terms, not not necessarily societal change. I'm talking about money. Oh, yeah? That's what I'm talking about. And she's doing that here. We've got the Britney Spears update in terms of our news headlines of the day. Thank you for joining us here in this final hour of the Y'all Show. We start off our headlines today with a story from Arkansas. Congratulations to the legacy of John H. Johnson as they just celebrated Arkansas this week, the fifth annual John H. Johnson Day. Are you familiar with that name? So I've got a... uh a family friend named John H. Johnson, but I don't think it's the same John H. Johnson. Well, this John H. Johnson passed away back in 2005, but so negative. he was a media tycoon, kind of like you, kind of like you, but he is the uh, founder of the Johnson Publishing Company, which was based in Chicago, and it is the company that started both Ebony and Jet Magazine. You probably never heard of Jet you, Magazine? You, I have not. You haven't heard of Jet? Well, it was a big magazine that launched in 1951. Both of those magazines were targeted to the black audiences. And this guy, 
a very, very successful Arkansan who went on to launch this publishing empire. And they had these two magazines, of course, magazines in that time period, a lot bigger deal than they are now. But Johnson Publishing would be the largest black-owned public company in the entire country. Big time. And in Arkansas this week, they honored him with a new statue in his hometown of Arkansas City as it was sculpted by Susan Williams and unveiled in Arkansas City, which is in the Arkansas Delta. It is roughly... Uh, close to Greenville, Mississippi, but it's across the river and up. It's if you know anything about the rivers of Arkansas, there's the Ar- Arkansas River that flows. The Cash River. Well, the Arkansas River flows kind of right across the middle of Arkansas, and it dumps out of the Mississippi River. And this Arkansas City is just downstream from where the Arkansas meets the Mississippi, and that's where this man, who again became the largest black-owned public company in the entire country and his family and others on hand as he was honored with a new statue unveiled in Arkansas City and, again, the natural state celebrating John H. Johnson, who was born in 1918, lived until the year 2005, passing away at the age of 87. So congratulations on this man who, again, was an Arkansan who went north, as many Southerners did, and launched quite a publishing career and a publishing Legacy. Let's tell you about a Southerner who went west instead of north, and she launched a uh, a legacy of some type. I'll let Kiefer sort this out. Britney Spears. She's got her new memoir out. Have yeah, you read my, it? So my wife got it day one and read it. The woman one. in me. Yeah. How's your wife been acting since she read that? You know, hadn't shaved her head. She's she's acting normal, so that's good. Um, well, but Brit- she said it was a good book. Britney's memoir, thanks to Mrs. Ingalls and others, that memoir has now sold 1.1 million copies. Yeah, man, the Justin Timberlake camp is not happy with this book. So you know a lot about it. I mean, I was sitting there while she was reading and having to hear the, oh, my God, you know. How long does it take your wife to read a book like this? Oh, not long. She's a big reader. She read it probably three hours-ish. You know, if you were doing a better job as a husband, she wouldn't be having to read books. You know, the best part is I'm doing, <laughs> I'm doing such a good job as a husband, she's got time to read all the books she wants. <laughs> I don't think in my multiple marriages I remember my, my wives ever reading a book. Uh, what, what does that say? I, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't be giving a marital advice. you got to buy him books, man. <laughs> okay. That's the secret to a good marriage. <laughs> but, yes, The Woman in Me, a big-time seller for Britney Spears. You know, she's going to have, I think, one of those movie-type things come out just like Taylor Swift's got. Oh, yeah? A little I, concert movie? I think so. I think so. Those things are... Man, I went and saw the Taylor Swift movie as well. It was good. Was it? So it was long. I mean, I saw... I, I almost went and saw it. There's a theater... It's good. There's a theater near where I live that offers $5 Tuesdays, and I'm a cheapskate, so I thought about going... And I, and that was the only movie currently showing that interested me. Of course, yeah. the day that I was thinking about going was Halloween, and a lot of their movies were scary movies, and I'm not really into that. So there's no like there's no like movie plot to this. It's literally just a filming of a concert, and uh, it's, it, the production quality is way up there, way way up there. Well, the cheapskate to me, I could have gone and seen that. I think for five dollars. Yeah, if you get it, you ought to go see it. It's good. You now, if you got if you got time to kill, especially if you go on like a random afternoon, um, you could even get some work done in there and attend a pretty nice concert. I just don't want people thinking I'm a creep for going to see Taylor Swift in a movie theater. I mean, I wouldn't think so. It's out there. It's out there for the. It's out there for the consumption. All right, you, you gave me the blessing, so here I come. Movie theater. I really enjoyed it. All right, well, good. Did, did you go by yourself? No, me and my wife went. All right, because I, I, that'd be kind of creepy. I don't, I don't think so. Maybe you and I can go together. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! 
Taylor Swift day. The, the, yeah. the Eras tour, Taylor Swift. How many costume changes? I wasn't paying attention. You to weren't counting. I'm focusing on the voice, you know. Okay. Voicing the camera angles. All right. Well, that that that's been a big big hit for her. And then I think beyond maybe it's Beyonce that's got the same thing about to come out a concert filming. Look, Taylor Swift's proven that wouldn't surprise me. This can generate a lot of money for theaters. Yes, yeah, so for Hollywood, it's generating a lot of movie for theaters and for Taylor Swift. Not so much for Hollywood, which usually gets about you know sixty-five to seventy percent of gross income from all movies that uh, go through their production studios. So Taylor Swift, what she was able to do is she's uber wealthy already. She doesn't need a, to pay a Hollywood production studio to, to produce her movie. She could just fund it herself, and then she gets to keep. I think it's eighty five percent of the profits, and the theaters get fifteen or something like that. So she she's making business moves out there. Hmm. Now she just needs to make better moves off the theater and off the uh, concert stage. Stay away from that Kelsey guy. Hey, she's giving Travis Kelsey some business tips as well. He filed for five new trademarks yesterday, Did but he? but he didn't even have his name trademarked. So he got the file for the Travis Kelsey trademark, filed for trademark for his Instagram username, filed for it's like four different others. But yeah, safe to say he's taking some uh, some advice. Do I need to pay you for mentioning your name here on the Y'all Show? Uh, I mean, we can. I'll have to send uh, my, over my agent's contact, but I'm sure we can work something out. All right, Kiefer Ingles, by the way. I'm just going to intentionally say it wrong going forward to hey, avoid you can say it like Mexican restaurants or any restaurants when I go for takeout. They say Ingles. C and D. All right, so Britney Spears, she's shaking it up one more time with this new memoir, The Woman and Me. Speaking of shaking it up, hey, have you heard about the Booty Patrol? I've not heard about the, the booty patrol. patrol is a real thing. It is a Florida person, Florida man story here. Oh Lord, there's uh, always something about them Florida men. And in DeSoto County, Florida, there is a person who decided to adorn their white pickup truck to look like an official law enforcement vehicle. It's got the green stripe. Isn't that the worst, man? It looks it looks like a law enforcement car. But this truck to the guy's credit, he doesn't say sheriff's office or anything else. I mean, it looks pretty official. It's got <laughs> booty patrol. Got booty patrol. <laughs> so, okay, so for you guys listening. And it's hard to that, explain it, unless you see it, but so it looks, it looks it. authentic. I can explain it. So you, you think about your typical Border Patrol truck, um, Border Patrol in plain text on the back uh, fender. Mm-hmm. Just change out Border for booty, and that's exactly what we've got here. Yeah. Well, it's coming in violation, and deputies are – on alert, they're trying to apprehend. This person hasn't been caught. That's why apprehend the booty patrols. <laughs> I mean, how could you not catch the booty patrol when it's out in hey, DeSoto maybe County? Maybe he took the sticker off, and he's just a white F-150 now. Uh, okay, well, it's uh, causing some problems, and authorities are asking if you've been a person who's been pulled over by the booty patrol to or, or see this suspicious vehicle to call the DeSoto County, Florida Sheriff's Office. The Criminal Investigative Division. I'm sure they got other things to be doing. CID. What do you think they? Uh, what do you think the Booty Patrol? What rights do you think they read you when they pull you over? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to plead the sixth on that one. <laughs> but uh, the Booty Patrol, yeah, and they haven't caught the person there in the Sunshine State. But when they do, we'll give you the update. You know what? We're going to catch up not with the Booty Patrol, but with the college football pigskin prognosticator. He's going to switch hats from news and weather. To sports, as we've got college football big time headed your way this weekend. Some teams in the SEC jockeying for position. LSU tries to save their season, and they can do that with a victory against the Tide this weekend. And lo and behold, between the hedges, 
There's a pretty good little ball game going on this weekend. Those are two SEC games of note. Kiefer Ingles will be right back, and we'll get you set up for this first weekend in November on the gridiron as the Y'all Show continues. College football talk back here on the Y'all Show. The Missouri Tigers getting ready for a big trip to Athens. Between the hedges this weekend, they take on the number one Georgia Bulldogs. No longer number one Georgia Bulldogs. Well, hold two. on, hold on, Hoss. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and in, I'm gonna go ahead and embarrass you. Kiefer Ingles is that voice you just heard, the pigskin prognosticator, and he is predicting that Missouri is going to beat Georgia this weekend. No, I'm not. Georgia is ranked number two in the official college football right. playoff rankings. All right, so you ruined my comedic thunder here. So tell me about this poll that just got released this week. The, the poll that matters. Yeah. So the all year we've been getting the AP poll, and the college football playoff poll is the only one that really matters. It's the one that, that decides and determines who goes to which bowl and who goes to the playoff. Um, this poll just got released for the first time this past Tuesday, and the standings got a little bit of a shakeup. Um, Georgia no longer number one. So you got Ohio State, the Buckeyes, making the jump over the Bulldogs, up to number one. And then you got Ohio State, Georgia, then Michigan, then Florida State, rounding out that top four right now. So – I would have thought maybe Michigan could have easily been number one, too. Nobody expected Ohio State to be number one. Now, they've, they're the only team in that top five that's really played anybody so far this year. Um, Who have they played? Notre Dame? Notre Dame and Penn State. Who have they played? I know. I mean, I mean Come on. Ohio State, the worst state in America? Ohio? I mean, I'm not a fan of them being ranked number one in the, in the inaugural Sorry. rankings for this year. It's Sorry, not, Ohio. It's not a good look. Sorry, I pick on Ohio a lot. You know why? Because so many of them end up down here. Probably more than any other state. They just they do. They just it's like there's a river that all connects. over the South. I'm not talking about all just uh, some some states. They, they just they love to get out of Ohio. It can't be that bad, but evidently might be. So it may be. the Buckeyes number one. Yep, and then the Dogs number two, and Georgia really has Georgia had a very good win at this point. I mean. They've had they've looked good in two games. They looked good against Florida, and they looked good against Kentucky. Um, other than that, not really. Okay. Uh, so Mizzou, they've only looked good and and really played a good opponent in one game. And that was Kansas State, and that was a walk off victory for them. Yeah, they did beat Kentucky pretty convincingly. They did. And they took 
care of business against South Carolina. Some sub five hundred teams. Two and six, South Carolina. And then they had LSU. I mean, they were they, they had LSU down to the wire. You know, LSU. It's a miracle that LSU was able to come back in that game. And I know the score was a little bit more than it really was. I think they got a pick six, maybe. It was uh, the LSU did a lot of scoring in the last like seven minutes of that game. Yeah, but Missouri. I mean, so they're number twelve. Are so they? Yeah, so they're they're up there. So it's, it's a it's a pretty hyped up matchup down in Athens this weekend. All right, so Mizzou in Athens taking on the dogs, and I mean, is it going to be a competitive game? I I mean, it's a it's a coin flip. You know, Georgia they've they've gotten off to a slow start. I like would call that normally. a competitive game. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a coin flip if it's going to be a competitive game or not. What do you think about Mizzou's quarterback situation? I like it, man. Brady Cook, he slings slings the rock pretty good. Yeah. Now, Drinkwitz does have a pretty good history with quarterbacks. He does. And and right now, Georgia, I'm not convinced that they have a stellar quarterback. I mean, I guess. Granted, he's top five in like almost every quarterback category. I stand corrected. It's just he doesn't run the offense like we're used to. We're used to seeing Stetson Bennett run it for the last four years, and it, it looks a little bit different at the beginning of the year. It wasn't as consistent, but like I said, Carson Beck is he's up there in all the offensive categories for quarterbacks, and uh, he doesn't he he's backing up any kind of slander he's getting. All right, it's weekend number ten in college football, and that game between the Dogs and Mizzou is going to be one to watch. Again, Georgia trying to. Impress those who put them at number two, and they got a chance with the Tigers who see the potential of being in the SEC championship game a real possibility. It's just like, do you, did you really need to give Georgia some motivation? This Why is would your, you do that? This is your Vern Lundquist CBS special Saturday afternoon there, kicking off at 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central. Now, another big SEC contest. This one may be a little bit bigger to most LSU and the Alabama Crimson Tide get together on CBS, a doubleheader for CBS, one in primetime between number 14 LSU and number 8 Bama. Yeah, it's going to be a big game, man. Obviously, every year LSU-Alabama is one for the books. Last year, LSU came away with the victory. This year, I mean, Alabama has 7-1, LSU sitting at 6-2, and two, but Alabama just has not looked that impressive I know they beat Tennessee. They, you know, they've they've beaten A and M. They've beaten, you know, who Arkansas, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, everybody. They've beaten everybody. However, LSU this offense is scoring left and right, and I don't know if Alabama's offense or defense can keep up with them. So you think LSU still got some something in the tank? Oh, I think they got a lot in the tank, a lot in the tank, and I don't know how much Alabama. I don't know what their max capacity is, man. I don't know if their tank's big enough to keep up. All right. Big 10, a rather Big 12 battle that's featuring a pair of top 25 teams. Texas there on the 40 acres. They've got Kansas State coming in. It's number seven, Longhorns, number 23, Wildcats. Yeah, so Kansas State is cooking. They are hot right now. Texas. Tell, not, tell me about that score that they had against Houston the other day 41 to nothing. Yeah. And then the week before against TCU, 41 to three. Hmm. I mean, they're scoring. Their offense looks so primed. Their defense looks incredible. So they're facing Texas this week at Texas. You're a big Coach K fan? I mean, I like a little Coach K. Um, That'd be Coach Kleeman. <laughs> I don't really care for Sarkeesian over on Texas. However, I do like that he's got the number seven ranked program and he's not even a top 25 paid coach. That's cool to me. Um, however, Texas, they played Houston two weeks ago and only won by seven. It was a nail-biter game for them. Luckily, they came away with the victory. They 
Lost to OU the week before that, um, 34-40. to 40. So Texas is down a little bit right now. They are coming off a victory versus BYU, but that's a really down BYU team. Kansas State, they're four, plus four this weekend against Texas. I really like the Kansas State Wildcats here. I think Texas is down and Kansas State is hot. And uh, very good chance Kansas State comes off with a little upset here. A potential good game to watch this weekend is from the Atlantic Coast Conference, the Louisville Cardinals. And Virginia Tech get together. Yep. And Virginia Tech is charting a way to get into that ACC championship game. So they they hold the keys to the – they control their destiny. It's kind of crazy sitting at 4-4. Four and four. Really? Yeah. Well, they got Louisville this weekend. What's your thoughts on that one? I mean, Louisville, um, they're a great team. I think they had the largest choke job of the season so far. They're sitting at 7-1, and one, ranked 13th. Um, they beat Notre Dame. They beat Duke, NC State. But then <laughs> – they're playing Pitt, and they lose. They lose to Pitt. Unbelievable. And they would have been undefeated inside the top ten. Instead, they're 7-1. and one. They have no chance to really make any kind of noise um, with that loss to Pitt. So, stinks for Louisville, but I think they handled Virginia Tech pretty good this weekend. And the Pitt Panthers seem to be falling off a cliff this year. Not that I keep up with them that I mean, much. They've, they've been on a cliff and falling off of it every single game except the Louisville game. Somehow. <laughs> yeah. And Narduzzi. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm thinking the the fans there in the Steel City must be getting a little tired of this. So, you know, they had Kenny Pickett. They had a prolific offense two years ago. Jordan Addison was there as well. Um, and it's the classic not reloading and expecting to still be just as good. Yeah. Well, they can redeem their season. You know who they got this weekend? Who's Pitt, who's Pitt got? They got the Florida State Seminoles coming hey, in hey, to hey, AccraSure no. Stadium. You know, they can definitely redeem their season with a nice victory over the Seminoles. Norvell's got them coached up down there pretty good. Don't see very much of a chance of that happening um, at all. But crazier things have happened. Miami yep. lost to Georgia Tech. <laughs> FSU, number four, and Pitt. They get together 3.30 Eastern on ESPN on Saturday. Hey, Bedlam is this weekend. It is. Oklahoma State ranked in the top 25 at number 22. And OU Fresh off a bad loss to KU, the Sooners heading over to Boone Pickens. Yeah, OU, somehow, by the grace of the good Lord Jesus Christ, they're ranked number nine after losing um, to Kansas State, as well as after losing to Kansas, Kansas, as well as after almost losing to UCF. It's a miracle they didn't lose back-to-back weeks. So I think it's a little... uh, you know, a little bit overhyped for that Oklahoma team. Oklahoma State, though, they lost to South Alabama early in the season. Just a horrible loss for that Oklahoma State Cowboys team. And they've really turned it around since then. So they've, I believe they've won every game since then and they've weaseled their way into the top 25. And now they've got a huge matchup against in state rival Oklahoma. I think it's going to be a great game. Let's talk about an undefeated team from right here in the South that I want to give some love to the Dukes. Of James Madison. James Madison, baby. They're going to be in Atlanta at old Ted Turner Field and taking on Georgia State this weekend. So, James Madison, I I really feel bad for them. I think it's criminal that they are ineligible for bowl play. I think it's ridiculous that they can't even play in their conference championship game. Um, I understand why the rule is there. You don't want, you know uh, – a team that's D1 going back to D2 and or whatever James Madison is right or was last year FCS and I think they were playing Division One last year. So it's a four. It's a yes. The year before they weren't. So I think it's the first two years they're not eligible to for any kind of postseason play, and it's ridiculous. You know, I, I understand why the rules there. You know, you don't want a team going from the higher division down and dominating. But if a team's coming up from a lower division 
and destroying everybody that you've got in your division, there's no reason they should be banned from their conference championship and postseason play two years in a row. And James Madison, under former coach Mike Houston, won a national championship at the FCF's level about five years ago. JMU. And Coach Houston got hired at East Carolina, and the Pirates have not done well at all. He may be out of a job here pretty soon. But, again, in the state of Georgia this weekend, the Panthers hosting JMU, another undefeated team out of the Commonwealth of Virginia that may end up being a competitor for national championship potential, a little playoff. How about the Liberty Flames? So, Liberty, you know, they've looked great. Yeah, they have. They look great this year. And Jamie Chadwell, who took Coastal Carolina to prominence, hired to Liberty after Hugh Freeze took off to the Plains, and Chadwell keeping the flames lit. Yes, and he's doing so um, with a, a beautiful schedule crafted by by the former coach Hugh Freeze. They actually have the easiest schedule in the entire country. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they're probably not ranked, huh? Uh, yeah, it's, they're undefeated and not ranked. They have played uh, – their average ranking of their opponent is like 97. They're in Conference USA. And that's out of 130, by the way. They're in Conference USA, which I'm going to try to recite some of the members of CUSA Let's these see days. see what you can get. Western Carolina – I mean, Western Kentucky. Yes. Oops, sorry, Catamounts. <laughs> uh, didn't mean to get you excited that you'd moved up to FBS. They've also got MTSU, and they have uh, 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 Jacksonville State. They do have Jacksonville Game- State. Gamecocks, by the way, are likely going to win the Gamecock Bowl this weekend. Yeah, they they're- look really good, and they're – they're 17-point underdogs to South Carolina, a 2-6 and six South Carolina team. This is a 7-2 and two Jacksonville State team that scores and scores quick. I like Jacksonville State this weekend. Uh, to win. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're going to win, too. Definitely to cover that 16-and-a-half number. A struggling Beamer ball Gamecock of South Carolina. Again, it's Gamecocks v. Gamecocks this weekend. Never thought I'd see that. But uh, the rest of CUSA would include UTEP. Trash. They are. They've been trash. They forgot their away uniforms at their game last week. <laughs> Did they, had, they really? They had a color rush game last week, yeah. They How about that? neglected to pack their away uniforms. That's pretty, somebody should be fired. Yes. Let's see, is uh, New Mexico State now in there? Yep. And then they've got uh, – I mean, what happened was a lot of CUSA teams took off to either the Sun Belt or got promoted up to the American – I mean, I'm surprised like, like a doing, UAB, for I'm example. surprised you're doing so well so far just because of how many switch-ups they well, had you know, to I'm a freaking genius, Keeper. <laughs> well, I mean, you're I still to, missing three, so I mean. I'm missing three. Um, you know, even Rice got moved out of CUSA. They did. And, and I never thought I'd see that. But uh, I got three left. Let's see here. Uh, uh, There's actually a defeated team. What do you mean by that? They haven't won. It's also their first year. Mm-hmm. Coming out of FCS. Um, coming out of FCS, defeated team. Um, well, I mean, I guess you, I, I mentioned Jacksonville State. Kennesaw State's going to be in there. Are they they're in? They're in it. They're in it. Kennesaw they're State's in there. So they're two and five. The um, Owls are? Yep. And they're playing the team that I'm uh, thinking about right now, this weekend. A little Sam Houston State. Oh, yeah. The Bearcats. Yeah, uh, 0 8. They're, okay. Yeah, they, but, have, they have not looked great. Who am I missing? Uh, Louisiana Tech. Oh, man, you talk about a program that's kind of had the Southern Miss factor. Where they, oh, me. They, they've just uh, geographically are in a bad spot, and they've had a proud history. I remember seeing them play in 1990 against the Gamecocks. Which ones? The Of South Carolina. I'd never heard of Louisiana Tech, and I went to the game, and the stadium was half full. The, the Gamecocks already that year had lost to the Citadel. 
38-35. And so down year for the game. It wasn't exactly going too good that year in 1990. And uh, Sparky Woods was the head coach. He is now Mac Brown's assistant coach there at UNC. And uh, I keep seeing him every time I see UNC. There's Sparky Woods, Sparky the guy Woods. Who, who was Appalachian State's head coach that got taken over at South Carolina. But Louisiana Tech and the Gamecocks played, and I sat in the student section that day. And they and the stadium was literally forty percent full at best, and the people came and kicked me out of the student section. <laughs> and I said, "The heck with this! I'm going to go pull for the other team." So. I went down and sat with the 50 uh, Louisiana Tech fans. They gave me a red and blue pom-pom. <laughs> I pulled for them, and guess what? The game ended in a tie. A tie. Oh, my <laughs> Lord, have mercy. 1990 Louisiana Tech. So there's my crazy college football connection. Have you ever seen a game end in a tie? Not in person, no. I actually saw a game the year before in that same stadium end in a tie. Really? No, yeah. I've never I've never been in the in the, uh, I knew the how presence to t- of a tying. I knew how game. to tie it on back in the day. So we've covered our CUSA talk here, talking to Kiefer Ingles here on the Y'all show, getting you ready for the weekend in college football. You know, it's kind of fun to talk college sports from time to time. Always is. Just don't put money on it. No, you'll wind up losing a lot. Let's talk about the Pac twelve for a moment. What's going on out there? Washington, they ended up being number five in this yep. new poll. So Washington, um, they face USC this weekend. USC, I don't, I mean, just absolutely clinging to the top 25 by a thread in the AP poll, and then somehow in the college football playoff poll, they're number 20. And this is a USC team that gave up 49 points to the Cal Bears last weekend. And granted, they scored 56. But if you're giving up 49 points to Cal – Buddy, you don't need to be anywhere close to the college football playoff. You don't need to be anywhere close to the top 25. The team stinks, USC. you talking about the ACC-bound California Bears? Yeah. They're not too terrible this year, are they? I mean, Auburn beat them. Auburn's kind of stinky. Um, Auburn beat them. Auburn's kind of stinky. You know, I really don't think USC has any sort of a chance of, of beating Washington. I don't even think they have a chance of keeping it close. I know – the USC offense can score and keep up with most. However, the Washington offense, you know, they're liable to put 65 on USC's defense. It's Swiss cheese out there. Mm. Well, that's from the Pac-12. Is that the, is that the best Pac-12 matchup for this yes. weekend? Who are you going with? <laughs> yeah. USC, man, no, definitely going with Washington. Michael Penix, he's the not the Heisman favorite. He should oh, be. Oh, don't start that Heisman junk with me. Well, who do you want to win the Heisman? Who cares? I get so tired. The, the the little bit that I watch ESPN, they're pushing Heisman. Oh, he's a Heisman. He's a Heisman. Oh, and yeah. this is in September. He's a Heisman. I bet you they had Sanders as the top Heisman guy back in September. Oh, no. No. The top Heisman guy all year has been Caleb Williams. Not up. Barry Sanders. What's uh, you know, Dion's old, uh, son? Shadour. Shadour, yeah. Not Shiloh. Shadour. Not my filmmaker, Bucky. What are you doing? I'm showing you. I'm doing the Shador. What is showing that? You, showing you my watch. <laughs> ah, okay. I do know that they had some jewelry stolen at they did. the Rose Bowl. So, uh, so yeah, they had a matchup with UCLA this past weekend, and there was a lot of jewelry stolen from the Colorado Buffaloes locker room. Now they're doing some advertising, telling everybody it's in there for sure. Out there in the pregame, they're all iced out. And what are they doing wearing jewelry at a football game? I mean. <laughs> we are talking about Deion Sanders' team, so this is as good as mine, for, forgive me there, prime time. All right, let's recap what all's going on in some of the conferences around the South here, getting ready for college football this weekend. 
in the SEC, Mississippi and Texas A&M. That's a game that kicks off early. Won't be, won't be quite as fun in the Grove when you got that early 11 o'clock Oxford time kick. What is your thoughts on Jimbo Fisher coming into Kiffin country? One of the hottest seats in the country is the head coach of uh, Texas A&M, Jimbo Fishers. He's struggled to put it together for the last four years, and he hasn't put it together yet. He's been plagued by injuries, but you can only use that excuse for so long. Not a good time to be Jimbo Fisher. And if they, now, if they could pull out a win this weekend, that would be a, a notch in his belt for sure, but I don't know if that changes his trajectory at all. Well, the Aggies, after a, a, a good chance of beating South Carolina convincingly 30-17 to 17 last weekend, they still have, again, the University of Mississippi. Then they got Mississippi State. If they, if they can't beat both of these schools, then the, the heat's going to be on Jimbo more than if it has If he loses been. to Mississippi State, whose offense is non-existent. non-existent for the last three weeks since they've lost their quarterback, I mean, there's no excuses. He should be gone. A&M and the Johnny Rebs early on Saturday. Also kicking off on the SEC Network early Saturday, Tennessee and UConn. What's up with the Huskies? Not much. They're terrible. Okay, but they're better this year. I mean, yeah, they right. Won, not, they won two games so far this year. Well, that's better than some years. Yeah. <laughs> they got what's his face, uh, Jim, whatever junior. I don't know. No names of note coming. The out former of that Falcons coach, former UCLA coach. What's his name? No idea. You, you know, what is his name? Head Jim coach? Mora. Jim Mora oh, Jr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the head coach there at UConn. It's the Huskies in Tennessee. Tennessee really missing a chance against the Tide in the second half last week. Kind of fell apart. Yeah, it's brutal loss for the for the balls last week, but I mean they're gonna get a get back spot against UConn. I think they're thirty six and a half point favorites. I don't know. If <laughs> That's I, all. I don't know if they cover that. Just you know, who knows where their headspace is at after after the loss last week? But U- UF tries to get their your you know what in gear. They've got the Hogs coming in, the perfect remedy you would think there at Ben Hill Griffin. Probably one of the worst teams in the SEC right there. Maybe the one of the worst teams in football. That Gamecock battle, Jacksonville State and South Carolina. That's an ESPNU broadcast early on Saturday. That Georgia-Missouri game again on CBS at 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central. Vandy, Vandy might have a, a winnable game this weekend. Auburn and Hugh Freeze come to First Bank Stadium. I mean, maybe. Maybe. You're not, you're not convinced <laughs> by no, that? No, I'm not too convinced. What about are you convinced by UK at Mississippi State? Uh, low scoring. Low scoring on the Mississippi State end. I don't know. I don't think there's any way. Will the Cowbell Clangers be happy when they leave there? Probably not. Okay, so UK, you're going with them. Then that big primetime battle on CBS between the Tide and the Bayou Bengals. Going with the Bayou Bengals, man. Are you? Whoa. Yeah. Okay, well, I already I don't think, said. I don't, think the, uh, I don't think the Alabama defense or offense can keep up with the, with just the LSU offense. Really and again, don't. I, I, meant, I failed to mention Georgia and Mizzou is that other SEC contest taking place on Saturday. In the ACC, Saturday's games include Notre Dame going to Death Valley. Did you hear Dabo going off on that caller this week? Oh, yeah. Great. Tyler five from minute, Spartanburg. Five-minute long rant coming was, out of Dabo. And, you it, know, was it was awesome. It was fun to hear you know, a man of his Christian faith use some, some very colorful language in that rant, and it was hilarious to hear. I mean, he's just ridiculous. He's so ridiculous. He makes $11.5 million a year, um, and he took great offense to being uh, asked why. Yeah. Four <laughs> And four, Clemson host number 15, Notre Dame there. And the Tigers will be running down the hill at 12 Eastern on ABC. UNC tries to bounce back. Good They've luck. got the Campbell Fighting Camels yeah, coming into Keenan Stadium. ACC Network has got that game at 12 noon. How about UVA? They nearly pulled it off again, right? Yeah. 
UVA, I don't know what they did, but they turned to – Coach Elliott doing a good job. He's got Georgia, Georgia Tech coming in to Scott Stadium, and that's going to be on the CW Network, a 2 o'clock Eastern, 1 o'clock Central game between the Ramblin' Wreck and the Hoos. Pitt and FSU, we mentioned they will be on ESPN mid-afternoon, and then that Louisville-Virginia Tech is an ACC Network game, 3.30 Eastern. NC State, congratulations to the pack. Dave Doran's ball club with a victory over Clemson last week. Mm-hmm. And at Carter-Finley, they got the U coming in. The good old U. You, you are not doing good this year. No. <laughs> if that's correct English, I'm not sure. And they would be doing good if they didn't have that uh, ridiculous blunder at the end of the Georgia Tech game. Yeah, that was pretty bad. That's what's going on in the ACC. Let's check out the American Conference for this weekend. And you've got uh, a battle going on between the Texas schools, North Texas and UTSA. North Texas nearly pulled it out against Memphis last week. Yeah, I mean, it was a ridiculous game. I think Memphis was up 21-7, to and the next thing I know, they're down like 35-32 to or 35-31, something like that. And uh, the blue and gray pull it out in the end. Memphis will be home this weekend at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. They've got the Bulls of USF coming in for a 3 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock Bill Street time kick. What do you think of that one? I like Memphis, man. They've got a great offense. Who's their quarterback? No idea. You don't know? No idea. Well, the Tigers, uh, go Tigers, go in that one. I mentioned East Carolina and their struggles. It's going to be a tough battle this weekend. The conference-leading Green Wave coming in to Dowdy-Ficklin. It's ECU hosting number 24, Tulane. Yeah, they're not keeping it close with, with the Wave. Also, the 49ers of Charlotte have Tulsa and SMU and Rice get together in the American. SMU's looking great, man. They're blowing people out. I think they had 60 points in the first half versus uh, Tulsa last week. SMU currently 6-2, and two, and their only losses to Oklahoma, and they also lost to TCU 34-17 in the skillet contest. But that uh, that one's one to watch. So I should make that must-see TV yeah, here. I like SMU a lot. All right. Let's uh, – give me another conference you want to talk about real quick, sir. You're uh, Mr. Pigskin prognosticator. The SoCon? The SoCon? SoCon? All right. Well, I know one game going on in the Southern Conference this weekend. It's Mercer and the Citadel. What do you think of that one? The Citadel. Tuned in to the nice Citadel. One, of them's, one of them's 0-8. <laughs> Which one is that? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> The uh, game there in Charleston is going to be a 2 o'clock Eastern kick from Johnson Hagen. It's homecoming weekend there on the campus of South Carolina's Military College. The Catamounts of Western Carolina will be in Spartanburg taking on a struggling Wofford Terrier team. Are the Terriers going to be able to bite back this week? Doubtful, doubtful. Definitely a struggling team. Don't see them making much noise. How about VMI? The Kedats march down to Johnson City there. They have ETSU waiting. ETSU, they're playing pretty decent if I remember correctly. Well, they're not playing as good as a team that's going to be in the scenic city this weekend as Chattanooga hosts the conference-leading Furman Paladins. And this could be a battle for who gets the Southern Cod. Feels like basketball, dude. Feels like basketball to me. Well, who won the Southern Conference basketball this year? The Furman Paladins. Oh, yeah. Over the Chattanooga Box. And who won it the year before that? The Box over Furman. Let's go. Hey, F you. (laughs) All right, Furman and UTC on the uh, gridiron of Finley Stadium this weekend. That's a look at a bunch of different college contests. uh, If you can't find something to watch after all those that we talked about, (laughs) you need to do something else. Yeah, you sure do. And that's going to be a a fun weekend. I'm glad to see that November has uh, arrived and we've got games now starting to – we talk about FCS here with these teams – They've only got two more weeks left before they hit the playoffs. Yep. And the Which is crazy. I mean, it's flown by. Absolutely flown by. High schools kind of wrapped up here. And so high school football season. playoffs, they're beginning this weekend, tomorrow. Yeah, in, in various states they are. So, Kiefer Ingles, always good. Mr. Mr. Inglace, Mr. always Inglace, good I appreciate to, you. to have you drive by and talk. 
about college football and more on Thursdays here on the show that shakes the Southland. We are the Y'all Show. When we come back here on the Y'all Show, we're going to wrap this show up as we've got some good information to pass along here. And we'll do it with you again next Thursday. So uh, Thanks for having me. We, we will look forward to seeing you then. We'll see y'all later. Yeah, you, yes, you will. When we come back, we're going to talk about independent Baptists. What in the world are we going to be talking about them for? Well, I'll explain when we come right back. Wrapping up this final segment of the Y'all Show on this Thursday. And we want to bring in a little hashtag, Hullabaloo, to send you off for this Thursday. And Kill Dash is on the X world. And Kill underscore Dash underscore nine is the account. Kill Dash writes in his profile or her profile, they profile. (laughs) God, family, country, USAF veteran, conservative. And a husband, father, and dad. So, yeah, I guess this would be a fella. And Kill Dash writes, How about some Southern worship acapella in a small independent Baptist Alabama church? And they've got a link there on X to, it says, Our daughter singing in church for the first time this past Sunday. Totally her idea. Hashtag God is worthy. Hashtag praise God. And you can go to at real underscore kill underscore dash nine. And see this for yourself as they're singing in a independent Baptist church in the state of Alabama. You know, we got, uh, I'm, I'm going to try to do this off the top of my head. We got, of course, Southern Baptist churches here in this part of the world that are by far the most dominant Protestant church that you'll find. But you also have independent Baptist. And then you've got, let's see here, the Free Will Baptist, which are a big deal. They, I believe they're the ones that make, uh, and you may be one, kudos to you. At least from what I understand, free wills make a, part of the reason they're free will Baptist is they wash feet. They make a a big ceremony in their church each year for the washing of feet, as far as I can tell. I don't claim to be a religious scholar by any means, but how about our independent Baptist churches out there? And uh, you got one person singing there this uh, past Sunday that you can go check out. Kill underscore dash underscore nine's daughter at that Alabama Independent Baptist Church. Elsewhere in our fun on social media this week, we go to gigatic.com. And gigatic keeps it simple with a nice, beautiful picture out there of a chicken and a waffle. And gigatic.com writes the Southern classic chicken and waffles, a perfect blend of sweet and savory. Ooh. I think I just figured out what I'm going to have for supper tonight. <laughs> you know, chicken and waffles are a perfect meal because you can have them for breakfast. When that rooster crows, you can wake up and get you a nice waffle. One of the easiest things in the world is stick in a toaster oven. Then you can uh, warm up yeah, yeah, some chicken, and you'll be in hog heaven, even though you're eating chicken. 
And then, of course, it makes for a great lunch and a supper option, or some of you may say dinner option. But gagatic.com, we appreciate you for reminding us of just how scrumptious chicken and waffles are. And I, I say this, I've said it before, but if you've not heard me say this, I really have to give Snoop Dogg a lot of credit because I had never heard of Snoop, uh, I've never heard of chicken and waffles until one time he went into Roscoe's out in Los Angeles and he had chicken and waffles. I really think this person, Gigatic, was talking about being a southern staple. I, I don't I don't buy that. I, I believe that's a L.A. sort of concoction that has found its way now nationwide thanks to Snoop Dogg. Snoop, thank you, sir. Now, just come see me, and we'll go down and see our local barber and uh, make you look a little, little bit more snoopier. That wraps up our Thursday, y'all, show. We appreciate you for being a part of our fun, and we'll be back here Friday. Paul Hare will be on with us talking about the – you know, all that happened with the markets this week and Jerome Powell deciding not to change things up. That's a good good thing. So we got that going here this weekend. All that right here on the Y'all Show. Join us on Friday. Thanks for listening.